0: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Sorry, I had a book get stuck in my zipper my book bag zipper um good morning everybody uh so it is sunday as uh, always and um we are going through galatians i have this has been um uh winter break for my kids and so i'm exhausted because we have Had a lot of fun. We got to go to the Pokemon offices and they gave my kids tons of Pokemon cards. And me and my son went to the gum wall here in Seattle, which is just people sticking chewing gum all over a wall. What else did we get to see? And then we went and saw yesterday, me and both the kids went and saw, um, the troll under the bridge there's a troll giant giant concrete troll that's got its hand on like a uh, what is it a, a vw bug and um so yeah my son went and picked the troll's nose which was a real classy moment for me so uh, get my eyeballs back so yeah that's that's happening Parenting full-time full 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 frontal parenting very tired Have you guys had a great weekend? Hope so see you're chatting there. Hey, um, I Need caffeine Um, Here yeah, the gum wall is really it's like Really a bizarre thing to happen and I heard they cleaned it once and then everybody came back and put gum on there I mean I need to get some sun I I look like a vampire um hey don't forget to like this if you're here it helps with our uh algorithm to help us get more um trolls to come um make fun of me um so don't forget to like and subscribe and to uh Put on your notice so you'll know when we when when we turn this thing on. I'll go bing. I think that's what it does. Um so that would be great. It really helps if you follow us and like the um converse like the talk. That helps a lot. So anywho. So yeah we had a great time. Kids got some cool, 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 cool uh Pokemon stuff. And uh, yeah, they have to hide it from dad. So I don't sell it all. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Well, listen, let's jump into this because we're going to take uh, kind of a curveball today for Galatians in Galatians. We're going to go through Galatians, but we're going to finish up uh, part three. Um, the end of three is always like everybody, that's when we all get a everybody gets a little oh, uncomfortable for some reason. Oh look, my broke my necklace. And so I'm, I, I, my necklace broke and so I made another one. And it's kind of like a Jim Morrison, I'm a hippie now. Um, I had the little silver beads and I didn't want to waste the silver beads, so there you go follow me for more fashion tips. Um, no, but we're going to get, get into Galatians, but we're going to cross some, look at some different things today. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about this man right here who, uh, helped with the, uh, good Friday agreement that ended the troubles in Northern Ireland. And if you all know, I'm a huge fan of Northern Ireland. Um, My best friend Pete Rollins is from Northern Ireland and I go there a lot and visit a lot and I really love it there. Um, And so we're going to talk a little bit about that because I think it's important that we talk about peace. Um, Obviously the world is is going crazy and um, Israel and Palestine thing is happening and it's horrific. It is horrific. It is... uh, uh, a horrific loss of life and, and I've had some people from the israel uh, side push back on me a little bit but my point is is that it, it's for me it's not about sides I mean it does if Palestine was doing this to Israel you know I would still I would be saying cease to stop you know so like I have this pin down here somewhere that says stop war you know um, how do we end conflict and and not go to war Um and I feel like with the tensions that are are, are mounting back up with the uh, with the upcoming election for us here in the states, uh, there's going to be more more and more division. And I think it's important that we talk about what it is to be a peacemaker. Um, now, ironically, not even ironically, I guess just. That this is what this book's about. It's a rebuke letter and a, a, a letter about living in community, which is wild. You know, it's like, hey, you guys, uh, stop being jerks and be nice to each other. You know, what happened? You, you got it for a while, and now you're like... And the whole thing that's happening is it has a lot to do with religion and faith that's separating these folks. Um... It's weird, the other day I had someone who was like, yeah, most wars are about religion. I'm like, well, you know, if you look, the religion is usually being manipulated for a certain power or people or finances. You know, it's not always about, like, uh, if you look deeper into the thing, it's about, you know, usually human rights and how we treat each other as humans. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So I'm excited. So we're going to go ahead and just jump into this. But this is the end of... um, of 3, you know, and 3 started off with with Paul really going in full throttle with foolish Galatians, what magician has cast an evil spell on you? You know, he's like letting him have it. Um, And questioning like, hey, what are you doing with this works stuff and getting back into the old system and why are you rebuilding the old system? So he goes in a little bit to explain uh, part of Genesis uh, 12. Um, about the promise of Abraham to to the to the Galatians, and, you know. Remember, the conflict here is that you've got Jewish Christians who would like to see uh, the Gauls uh, get circumcised. Would like to see um, would like to see them kind of practice more religious tradition. And Paul is saying they don't need to do that, you know, and we can, you guys can be a community and you guys can practice your traditions, but they don't need to you know, be circumcised and they don't need to do things like that in order to be closer to God. That's not what, what this is about. And um, and what's really great is as we'll get closer to the end of the book. You realize that this isn't just about him defending himself and defending religion or faith, um, but ultimately at the end, he's really worried about the people and what they're going to do to each other. So keep that in mind. Um, Brothers and sisters, I give an example from daily life. Once a person's will, like will and testament, has been ratified, no one adds to it or annuls it. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and offsprings, it's as in many, but as says, to your offspring, that is to one person who is Christ. I think he's doing some some uh, gymnastics here, but we'll let Paul do what he wants to do. Let's Paul let Paul be Paul. My point is this, though. The law, which came 430 years later, and I think that's interesting. You know, the law really didn't get for 430 years. I, I can't even remember what happened 430 years ago, Um can't even remember yesterday, so no. Um, so, so the law which came 430 years later after Abraham does not annul the covenant previously rati- uh, ratified by God, at, so to nullify the promise. For the inheritance comes from from for if the inheritance comes from the law, it is no longer comes from the promise, but God granted it to Abraham through the promise. So, Paul is, is saying like to his brothers and sisters who who know the who, who follow the scriptures and stuff. He's he's he's, he's like you know you just know this story, and and he's using that that to say like the Torah to say like you know. <laughs> This was a promise long before the law, and you're trying to force people to go into the law. You know, you're going to go back to the law. And uh, that's not what we're doing now. I, I've talked a little bit about how as Christians in the Christian culture has, has created a new type of law. And um, both sides do it uh, to kind of, you know, who's in and who's out, us and them. And uh, we all do it to a certain extent and you know we all will scapegoat like i think i don't scapegoat but i do scapegoat you need to find yourself doing it i'll do it on social media or do it with a certain group uh so so it's 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 not you know we we create new laws but but this one is, is 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 he's trying to say is like this there doesn't need to be a law and in a way, there's this, this this theme that I find that runs through the Gospels of, of, of our kind of, you know, live and let live, you know. But we continue to choose what we want to tell people have to do rather than allowing people to live. And I'm going to argue with a way that I think we could maybe think differently and act differently towards each other. That would make a bigger, much, would, would make a difference within our churches today, within politics today, is like, you know, how do we solve this issue of people tearing each other apart, you know? Um, the purpose of the law, and if we jump down to, to 19, Paul says, why then the law? It was added because of our transgressions until the offspring would come to whom the promise had been made. And it was ordained through angels and by mediator. Now the mediator involves more than one party, but God is one. So, you know, Paul is saying that the plan has always been for Christ to come. Um, There's a lot of scholars that will say that that doesn't seem to add up, but Paul is saying it does add up. And I was, you know, a Pharisee, and this is what I believe is happening. Um, Is the law then opposed for the promise of God? Certainly not. For a law had been given that could make us alive. If a law had been given and make us alive, then righteous would indeed come through the law. But the Scriptures has imprisoned all things under the power of sin so that what was promised through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So, You know, again, Paul's saying, like, this idea of, uh, what was it, Um, check my notes, but this idea of prohibition used the law against us, aroused our, you know, our curiosity, oh, the forbidden fruit, it's like the promise ring, you know, (laughs) here's a ring, It says you'll never, you won't have sex till you're married, so I'm looking at the, and every time I look at the ring, I think, man, uh, sex, I'm not having sex, and you think about sex, and you make a covenant to some group that sells rings, and it's really ridiculous. Um, but we have our own kinds of purity, purity culture now, you know, and, and, and progressive churches is like, oh, we don't hang out with those people and we don't talk to those people and we don't, asso-, you know, every, every, we can't cancel culture and things like, you know, every everybody has their own type of performance and purity culture that we have to to continue to, to, to keep ourselves alive to when legalism sneaks in. Legalism always sneaks in. And, uh, and it does it with both right and left. And it does it with good works and bad works. Um, 23. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guardi- guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian Until we were justified by faith. So they're saying the law was there to show that we were doing wrong and things like that until Christ could come and make us right. So now we're right with Christ. All is permissible. Not all is beneficial, but we are right with Christ. Uh, But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject uh, to a disciplinarian. You know, and I think about that and I think, how... Lord, I would have wished that they would have talked about this verse in uh, Christian school growing up or at Christian camps or things like that. Like uh, To me, the church was more about discipline than anything growing up. I, I, to me, it was not, I mean, I saw love, I saw grace, but to me, that like the youth pastors and the teachers and the lay people seemed to think that Christianity was all, all about discipline. And, and if you mess up and it disciplines you, rather than it forgives you and frees you. So we get confused with what this really is. Um, and, and the re- reason for religion, and so it becomes a disciplinary thing. And now it becomes this thing where people want it, to take their convictions and turn them into law and legislate their convictions, which is not at all what we're called, that literally make it a law, like literally make their convictions law. They they're so uh, so lack such actual faith in what they believe that they feel that they have to have the law and the government do it because they don't believe that God can do it or the Holy Spirit can do it, and so they have to think well we have to get this governed in, and we do it on both sides. So don't just think it's the right that does it; it's the left as well. We both do it. Um, of course, our side's the right one, right? Of course, um, because we grew up a certain way, having certain. Situations and and different backgrounds and different things that happened to us that caused us to be more this way than that way. Um, But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now listen to this. This is the part that sometimes people struggle with a little bit. Because there's saying there's no identity in Christ. Um, and I think there's there is a reason behind this. There is a reason. <laughs> and um, dying to oneself, dying to one's identity, dying to one's thing is tough to do because we are a very uh, identity driven culture. And often people speak up because their identities are being questioned or not respected or not loved, or, especially by religious people. Um, and, and it makes sense to do that. And I think that we're going to talk about that. But we're going to talk about how do we do that but still live uh, in a world where that's, you know, how do we, how do we bring these two together? So uh, because there is no longer, Paul says this, there is no longer Jew or Greek there is no longer slave or free. I think this, 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 this one here never gets enough attention. There's no longer slave or free. I mean, when you say that to slave owners and you say that to slaves, something happens. Something's starting to uh, change. Something's, something's happening there. Something's rumbling. A rumbling is happening. Um, there is no longer male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to the promise. So there is no identity in Christ. I would even say there is no... Christianity is not an identity in Christ. That is something that we have created more. You know, and who's in and who's out and things like that. So... So now the hard part of how do we disagree well, how do we build community, and how do we get what Paul said? Because Paul right here is trying to say, like, guys, there's no Gauls and there's no uh, there's no Jewish Christians. You're all one. You know, the lack is the thing that we all have in common is that we lack. We have a lack, and we have to learn to live with that lack. We're we're human beings. They're there's a need that's never met within us. And we're always trying to compensate it with my politics or my identity or if I could just do this or just get this or this would change and everything would be better. And then we get into this suffering and, and it seems like a, you know, a hierarchy. So I've suffered more, we've suffered more. So then we belittle each other's suffering and turn that into a to a, a system of uh of lording over a new law. Well, those who suffer must be, in control, you know, and then like, oh, you know, then your voice gets shut down and we shut down each other's voices. There's not enough microphones. And like, trust me, everybody has a microphone now. Everybody, you know. Um, we hear you. And then corporations play with us and and try to get us to play off against each other as well. Um, you know, and and it's really funny and they put up flags and things like that and act like they, you know, Oh, we love your cause this week. Um, so let's look at this, but I wanted to look at this from uh, a civil rights aspect, but from two of my favorite civil rights leaders, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and John Hume. And, and, and a lot of people don't might not realize this, but John Hume really did a lot. He stopped, he helped stop uh, a civil war, a 30-year civil war. Um, I recommend this book. I've marked it. All right, so we make the switch over. As we make the switch over, also, don't forget to if you, help us by liking the, this. It helps us. If you use the methods of your oppressor you will end up worse than your oppressor that's martin luther king if you use the methods of your oppressor you will end up the worse than your oppressor and and so paul is what he's trying to do is trying to get us to to, to lose our identities as uh, oppressors or the oppressed and and find our identity there he, he's saying find your identity in grace find your identity in love find your identity um with loving your enemy, being kind to those people. And that's what comes out of, that's where Dr. King finds a lot of that. Uh, Gandhi finds a lot of, you know, um, John Hume finds a lot of that. But it says, beware. And this is what I, I want to point out is the us and them thing. And it's not just like this, this, this thing of, because you know, I grew up most of my life in conservative evangelicalism, early part of my life. And then I went left and uh, to the left, literally and, and made more progressive and emergent and all that kind of stuff um, but then I realized that that whole group has, has hang ups and, and does things and, and, and does this kind of us and them thing and that our identity always ends up being a, this is the type of Christian I am rather than this is I am you know I'm human um, I have no identity besides that and you go Whoa. you know so but Dr. King is trying to show us something and, and 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 John Hume is trying to show us something is how to build community, how to be in community, and Paul ultimately is begging this community, begging the Gauls and the Judaizers to come together and live life together till they die. In this community, he is trying to literally save, bring peace to this community, and we in the American church are just so split. Outside the church, we're split. Christian, atheist, split. LGBTQ, you know, AI, da, 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 black, white, Asian, uh, Hispanic. You know, we're all just we've got all this stuff, all these things, and and what I and what these folks are suggesting is is uh, something that's very interesting. It's just something that that it brings people together. So, but 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 I think the first thing is important to say is that if you use the methods of your oppressor, you will end up worse than your oppressor. And one of the things I've been seeing a lot of lately and I think this is a mistake that we've got to make, not make, is becoming like our oppressor. And I think that's the mistake I see the biggest thing happening nowadays. And I've said this and I attest this is that I think it's because the lack in, Christ, in the Christian church is a lack of the progressives to embrace the Apostle Paul in the correct way. Like what Paul wrote, not reactionary Paul, but what Paul wrote and understanding what Paul wrote and what Paul meant. And I think they miss it. And so I think grace ends up not being as powerful as it could be because I think Paul really gives us the best description and idea of what grace is. There, I said it. I was looking at this website earlier, and they were, and it was this website, uh, not a website, like a post. And it was on deconstruction. And um, one of the things they were saying was, is uh, the church that's produced people like Mark Driscoll and John Piper and Dr- Moeller, and, and these are people th- that I totally disagree with and think that their theology is awful. But, but it said that church should be burnt to the ground. Now, this is. Um, deconstructionist thing like you know and saying that these groups should you know this type of the church that bears that kind of fruit should be burnt to the ground now the reason I say that this there's a red flag here for me is because that is the the, really the terms of the enemy I I mean I don't you know I've sat with the founders of the MCC Church and they would tell me how their churches the LGBTQ affirming churches in the early days were burnt to the ground Uh, African-American churches Uh, black people churches, black folks churches were burnt to the ground Um, often that is the way that the enemy speaks and I don't think that that's the way we need to return it, I don't think we need to return legalism for legalism, I don't think we return hate for hate, I don't think we return discrimination for discrimination you know um, I think there's a different way, there's a better way We don't use threatening, violent words. And when I say threatening, violent words, even if it's not being literal, like, well, they don't mean it literally like burn need to be burnt to the ground. They mean like theologically or metaphysically or deconstruction, you know, like deconstruction. Yeah. But we got to figure out, like we got to come up with a better idea of a consensus of what deconstruction is. You know, if it's just saying like, Oh, I don't like these speakers. Okay. You know, but to me, I, I think like you know, what about scholarship and really getting in there and, and, and showing like why these speakers are not speaking truth and why they're speaking out of tradition rather than actual the meaning of, of the, the passages is probably something to me that I would recommend. But everybody you know I'm just saying we don't want to if we be, if we fight monsters, we could become monsters and a lot of us have become that and uh have put ourselves above the even idea of having a, the conversation because there have been different progressive folks who know that I've struggled with some of their wording and some of their talks and I've asked hey let's talk can we talk about it and they won't talk to me some of them some that have like 5000 followers 10000 12000 13000 followers you know what I mean and I'm like I don't have that many followers you know I'm not I just want to have a conversation and they won't have a conversation and these are the people who are like bleeding heart liberals you know and I've always kind of considered myself a bit of a snowflake, and myself as a special liberal. And I can't even talk to my brothers and sisters uh, in that, much less. So if we're able to not disagree well within the own, our own group, we're not going to be able to disagree well outside of that group. So we've got a, we've, we've got a problem here. What if, What if we did love our enemies as ourselves, but that looked different than we've been told? What if it looked like saying, you know what, if my conservative brothers and sisters want to have their place and their words and their stuff, let them have it. But we've got to come to an agreement. We've got to take maybe poli- the politics out of it in a way. the at least that our politics isn't about turning our convictions into legislation, but it's about saying, like, I want you to have food on your table. I want you to have health care. I want you to make a living wage. I want you to have a safe place to grow up. You know, I mean, maybe we start there with just saying, like, the basics. Let's fight for the basics for one another as a community and agree to disagree. You know, if you want to have your church be legalistic, go ahead and have your legalistic church. But outside of that, as human beings, as a community, we've got to learn to... Realize everyone deserves the same treatment. Everyone deserves to have health care and pay their rent and be loved. You know, can we come up with that type of agreement that allows us to say, you know what, there's a bigger problem here. There's homelessness, there's war, there's drug addiction. You know what, maybe we figure out a way to come together and allow that to bring us together. that, That common good for just all humanity. You know, and and I know this sounds insane, but then I look at someone like John Hume, and uh, it's so funny, it was like, yeah, that, someone, an Irish friend, of I was like, yeah, that's our, our, you know, supposedly our Martin Luther, but, you know, not so great. And I'm going like, no, no, this guy's totally great. This guy accomplished so much. This guy's amazing. Um, and he's saying so much. And, and what he's trying to do is, like, it's not about sides. It's about humanity. It's not about being uh, what, you know, uh, Catholic or Protestant, <laughs> Northern or Southern, you know, it's, it's nationalist or, uh, what was the other one? Union, uh, was it, uh, loyalist, you know, it's, it's, it's ultimately, you can't eat a flag. If we kill each other and do this, we're not going to create any type of peace. So let's get to a point where we're able to compromise. Um, So I'm going to read a few things here. Um, Some quotes, and it's funny because he quotes King a lot, Dr. King. And so we'll read some of his quotes, quoting King. But one of the things I wanted to... uh, read about is this uh, the, the the he, he they started uh, something that he helped start was the social democratic labor party in uh, ireland and one of the things he says from the very beginning the sdlp was happy to include protestants in fact three of us who fought in the first election as independents two were catholics one ivan cooper was protestant to this day, senior members of the SDLP are Protestant as the important issues for our party is human rights. Or, or, yeah, s- what he's saying is like even like this is not this was we brought people who are Catholic and Protestant who are normally wanting to kill each other and hurt each other. And we've come together. That's what what another thing that was really amazing about the punk movement in in Northern Ireland is that you know, Protestants and Catholics playing music together and not caring about the war you know um, and he goes uh, the important issue for our party is human rights not religion and our objective is to continuous respect for the rights and traditions of Catholics and Protestants alike we are both non-secretarian and anti-secretarian now do you see what this is saying here is that we put humanity first like we that's how we love our enemy is we can work with our enemy to make a better world for both of us. Come together. But that requires compromise. That requires sacrifice. That requires taking up your cross. Dying to your flesh. Now these are the type of things that get us to where we want to go rather than saying, well, we've got a de- you're not going to devastate and get rid of 50% of the country. You're not going to do that. You're not going to change their minds overnight. But if we can say we want to make sure we're all able to live so we can have conversations, then there's a different, you know, we don't need to make laws against you because of your sexuality or things like that. You know, I mean, we need to protect minorities, of course. You know, we need to but figure out ways to talk about this so we're all want to make sure each other eats, make each other pays the bills, you know, do these type of things. You know, because I I'm not going to be able to shut down. I don't want to. I'm not going to burn down every church that I disagree with. You know, what, what am I going to go debate? I've tried it. I've I've met with these a lot of these bigger pastors who didn't like we didn't want LGBTQ folks at their church, or serving on their boards. You know, they wanted them at their church. They just didn't want them working for them. And um, you know. And that's going to take them more years. And then I've seen people who've changed. You know, I saw Bill Hybel's church in Chicago turn around and get rid of all the, you know, I don't think they're gay affirming yet, but they got rid of everything else that they were doing, all the trans parative therapy or transitional, you know, all that pray away the gay stuff. You know, and that came through this type of conversation. But the way we argue and fight, you'd think we want each other dead. one of the things that uh, and, and this quote from John Hume here reminded me of is when i was uh, when we did revolution back in the uh, in the early 2000s when we had a a venue and we would have shows and we'd have shows with christian bands and normal general market bands and just mix it up and usually it worked pretty well every now and then one time, really, it went really bad, and this band ended up preaching against another band, and it really broke their hearts and broke my heart. And Unfortunately, that band that preached, I don't know where they're at today, but it was, it was really disrespectful. Um, what we tried to do is create a place where we could all come together. and A lot of the venues were being shut down, and, and we just were like, hey, listen, you know, if you guys want to fight, fight off the property so we don't get shut down. You know, it was really one of these things where we just wanted to be like, hey, listen, let's bring people together. And it wasn't about saying. Anything. And so I would talk to some of these these Christian bands, and be like, "Listen, no preaching. There's no preaching. I don't I ask. I ask the other bands not to preach, you know. And I'm asking you not to preach, you know. Can we can we do that? And I remember this guy was like, "I would die for my God tonight," you know. And there was a shirt that was really popular that said that as well. I would die for my God tonight, and and. And, and, and Hume talks about it in here, he goes however, as I re- repeatedly reiterated in the 1970s there's a very fine line between dying for Ireland and killing for Ireland and I think there's a very fine line for dying for God and killing for God you know, it's this idea that that's what's on the table you know, um, that it's not about Peace, it's about modern being a a, a martyr. I want to be a martyr, you know. Um, When Paul is saying, What I'm asking you to do is to die to your identities and saying, Well, I'm this type of Christian or I'm that type of Christian to these people in Galatia, he's just saying, Just be, you know just love each other, You practice your differences, that's okay, just don't force your differences on other people, don't force your theology on others, but that's the thing is we just want it our way or the highway, and that doesn't work, and that just turns us into the type of folks that I grew up in the religious world, where it's telling me like it's either this or nothing, you know. Rather than saying like, no, you know what, I'm, I am I want to see us all do good. I want to see us all be able to live. I don't like what you preach or what you say, and I'm going to do something different. But I think we should also have the rights for humanity and fight for the rights for you. But this is the hard work. This is not the easy, happy talk. This isn't the easy sermon that you're going to hear. This isn't going to be like, oh, the white, angry church, uh, Christian, nationalist, angry church. You know, This isn't going to be like, when we've got to... Get rid of them and destroy them and because they're you know, so horrible. that's I mean, not going to get you excited. Why isn't it is not going to get you excited? It's because it's going to say, well, we're going to have to do hard work. We're going to have to talk to people that don't agree with us. We're going to have to sit down and have conversations. This, this is about reconciliation. You know, There's no conservative and there's no liberal. There's no Republican and there's no Democrat. There's no straight. There's no gay. There's no black. There's no white. There's no, you know. Then you don't. Then it doesn't seem as cool to hear, right? Like you, know, everybody likes that. There's neither male, man or woman, you know. And everybody's like, oh, that's great, yeah. Supports my LGBTQ brothers and sisters, you know. And then you go like, oh, then there's neither Democrat or Republican. There's neither black or white. There's neither Hispanic or Asian, you know. Then we start going like, hey, well, good. Let's shut that shit down, man. But that's the point. Is that we all have to die to our identity and see each other as worthy of being worthy of human, of life, of breath, of air. We're all one. But this requires hard work. And sometimes you're, the people are not going to see that. And then sometimes people are going to be like, well, that's really mighty brave of you, white heterosexual male. You know, I know what you're thinking. And so, but I got to be me. I got to go forward. I got to do what I'm called to do. You know? Um, you know, it's like. It's funny. Like I was watching the X-Men cartoon because they're redoing the new X-Men cartoon. And I was watching the old one with my kids, you know, and it's like. It's just so simple, but it's just like you know. Professor X is like, we've got to protect the humans from Magneto, and Magneto's like, no, we are gods and we are better than them, you know. And it's this kind of like whole like grace versus law type of thing, or or, 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 or you know, no hierarchy, you know. Um, and it's like it's so funny because it's almost like a civil rights thing, but it's like nobody's nonviolent because he's got a team of like superpowered people fighting for this stuff. But it's just interesting. Uh, to see, like, even in the child, children's thing, it's like this essence of us knowing that we really do need to learn to live amongst each other, that we do need to, like, Palestinians, uh, people in Palestine and people in Israel need to be able to recognize each other's humanity and allow each other to live and allow to be like, hey, this is what you, you know, we don't agree with it, but this is who you are. and You have the right to exist. And the other way, you have the right to, when we start saying you don't have the right to exist, things get a little screwy, right? Um... Another thing that uh, that John Hume said, he goes, it was not the land of Ireland that was divided, it was the people of Ireland. The line on the map was geographical, but the real border was in the minds and the hearts of the people, and that could not be resolved in a week or two. And that's the thing, is a lot of people want to see these things resolved in a week or two, and, and I always love the idea of the Good Friday Agreement, But I was reading this book and I was like, oh, in 1972, there was an agreement. And then in 1985, there was an agreement. You know, like peace takes time. It takes work. Um, It takes setbacks. But it also takes people who are just tired of the fighting and tired of the, the, just tired. You know, and and you get so tired that you just want to see, you know, I just want to see everybody do good. Cause right now it's like you know I barely pay my bills. I don't. My health care sucks. You know, like life is like in this country is getting weirder and weirder. Um, how we treat each other is getting worse and worse. You know, and honestly, it's hard for me to think about theology and 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 philosophy and the important things because life is so difficult. And if I really love my brothers and sisters and I really love my enemies, then I want to make sure that these folks have, you know, enough money to go to the doctor, that like they won't be homeless if they get sick, you know, and that they can eat and that they can feed their families and that they have affordable rent. I mean, so much of that was what was at the heart of the troubles, at least in Hume's eyes when I was reading about it was, you know, housing and, and affordable housing and things like that you know, these practical needs that we seem to be missing with one another. And so, or, or, or maybe it's the people who have these things that are comfortable with these things that get focused on like, well, let's ban books, you know, and then, well, let's fight people who ban books. And, let's go. and we just, we fight fire with fire and that just, you know, doesn't work. A resolution could only be achieved by consensus and not by any form of coercion. You hear that? By consensus, by working together. A healing and evolutionary process is the only way to break down barriers of history, and our challenge is to create an institution within which the process will take place. I hope you guys hear, hear what I'm trying to say: is, is that this is probably going to be a book that's not just needed for people in religion <laughs> in the future, but it'll probably be all of us because we are so divided. And, uh,. One of the things that Martin Luther King says is of is imp- Martin Luther King, the violence has, uh, he, he never saw violence as a way of, of doing anything practical. It's, it's, it's impractical and it's immoral. Dr. King put it like this: It is impractical because it is descending spiral, ending into destruction for all. The old law of an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. It is immoral because it seeks to humiliate the opponent rather than to win understanding. Now listen to that. That's what Dr. King said that. It's immoral because it seeks to humiliate the opponent rather than to win understanding. So when we cancel people and we shame people and we do these things, it is to humiliate them. It is to put the scarlet letter on them. And if you've decided like, oh, this thing Christianity is for me, well, guess what? That doesn't happen in Christianity. That's not part of Christianity. Part of Christianity is restoration and forgiveness and community and loving your enemy and doing good to those who persecute you. That's the tough shit. It's not, oh, I don't go to rated R movies or I don't, you know, I only support this one political group. It's, It's not, that's not what it's about. It's about helping human beings and recognizing their humanity. I mean, that's what Jesus was doing though, half the time when he was seeing people in their midst and, go, and talking to the woman at the, at the well and things like that. You know, she was an outcast. And what he said is, I see you as a human. I don't see you as an outcast. I see you as a person. Violence is, is immoral because it thrives on hatred rather than love. And, and I think all you have to do is look at people's work and see where they're coming from and see how they talk about others to see where their heart lies. People always say, show me your actions, and you know, and it's funny, uh, the show me your actions thing, I, I want to say, like, we can't always trust actions either because there was this man who lived in an apartment complex and uh, it was mostly uh, African-American p- p- uh, complex, black complex, uh, and this, there was a white guy and he was kind of an outcast. and. So he did everything he could to befriend this guy and help this guy, and be nice to this guy, and make him feel welcome in the community. And uh, would always invite him to things and do things like that. And uh, one day, this guy who was, who was really nice to this 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 white kid, he, he's got his sister invites him to his wedding. He wants to bring a gift, so he goes to this kid and goes, "Hey, you know, can I? I hate to do this to you, man, but can I borrow some money?" And the kid was like so impressed with how nice he was that he was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, you know, here's 60 bucks. Get something really nice for your sister and his wedding and have a great time. And, 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 and you're like, oh, well, this guy must have been really great. But the guy, that this white guy that this guy was helping who really helped him out in the time of need, um, you know, he comes back to see him and, he, and he's not there. because he, you know, he's not there. And all of a sudden all these police are there and they're like, you know, where's my buddy? And that kid ended up being who gave him the money and that and, and, and he cared about and thought was really nice and tried to accept and who was really nice back it was Jeffrey Dahmer. So people, even people like Jeffrey, you know, do nice things and can be, you know, the point is there is like, you know, you got to listen to words. You got to take people's in, not just their actions, but their words too, you know, both come in, you know, actions and words speak very loudly and you need to listen to what people are saying. Now, listen to this. This is really beautiful. I think this is really beautiful. We're almost done. It destroys community and makes brotherhood impossible. It leaves society in a monologue rather than a dialogue. And that's the issue is we often just have the monologue rather than, that's why we're talking about disagreeing well and arguing well, loving your enemy, is because that requires dialogue, not a monologue. And the problem is we've got all these people giving monologues, you know. And everybody's turned on their boop. You know now it's not just churches speaking at you and leaders, it's everybody. we're all, we're all got a monologue going on and how do we st- start a dialogue? You know it, it's like now you know my dad's very sick and I've been talking to his wife and got to talk to him a few last week uh, for a few minutes. And, and the thing is everybody always asked me to denounce him. Publicly denounce them because our theologies were so different, you know. And and, and these were very progressive people, uh, you know. Asking me like, you got to denounce them, you got to speak up, you got to say something. Silence is, kill-, you know. And I'm going like, no, this is my father. I, you know, I'm the only one who could talk to him about these issues. You're not talking to him about these issues. You know what? You want me to be? We need to alienate our enemies so they just become even more alienated and they don't have anybody to talk to about this stuff. And I refuse to do it. And now I'm able to have conversations with it. I've been honest about our relationship with people. But the point is, is that you've, you know, people want to have a monologue and not a dialogue. And that's what this type of thing, that's what the book of Galatians is asking us to do by dying to ourselves, dying to our identities, uh, no matter what we make them, even if it's Christianity, dying to that and seeing the humanity of others. Uh, Hume says this, our chosen strategy accompanied reformer, reconciliation, and reunification along path of steady progress, continually narrowing the gap between the reality and the dream, using the political means of dialogue, persuasion, negotiation, accommodation, and compromise. Violence can never heal the deep wounds that divide people. Only a healing process can end time in the division in Ireland, and it will take time. So this is a realist approach. This is a patient approach. This is why patience is a virtue, because eventually you got to see this person sign the Good Friday Agreement. Not that there's not still issues there, but there are, it's a beautiful country. It's a loving country. It's a country that is full of survivors and people who put their differences aside and, and care about each other and love each other and are doing beautiful work. I mean, it's really, this just such a great country. It's such a great state or whatever country, state. I don't know what we call Ireland, Northern Ireland, but it's a part of the, yeah. I mean, it's such a great country, Northern Ireland and, and, and the people are so wonderful and, and, and the humanity there that is wonderful, that draws me in to that place that continuously pulls me back in, um, you know. Uh. So here's one of the things that Hume writes and I'll finish... I'm almost finished. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to keep hitting you with this because I think it's important. I think it's important to see what this, when, when this work is applied to humans and that it actually works. And I think it's important that we don't ignore the times that it works. Because God, we could use a Hume right now for, for, um, for, for Israel and Palestine. We could use a Jimmy Carter right now. We could use people who come in and, and bring this process and bring the peace process rather than freaking more bombs and shit like that. Like, we don't even have people who know how to, to, to bring peace and how to have conversations anymore. You know, we all just go, oh, I'll just put a flag up and that'll make it clear that that's who I support. And like, well, I support people not dying. I support people not being taken hostage, but I also support children and babies and women and children not being bombed every day. You know, the idea is, is we've got to stop the madness, stop the insanity of that before I think we could even come together as, as, as people of religion and faith, you know. But we've got to respect each other's humanity. It doesn't matter what your religion is. I have to respect your humanity. And make sure you're fed and taken care of and you live a loyal life so we can have these conversations. The proposal we firmly rooted in the concept of univer- unity, listen to this, the proposal we firmly rooted in the concept of unity in diversity. Indeed, the kernel of the report we sent out to the paragraph as follows The solution to both these historic problems and the current crisis in Northern Ireland. His continuing problem in relations between Ireland and Britain are necessarily require a new structure that will accommodate together two sets of legitimate rights, the rights of the nationalist to affect political, symbolic, and administrative expression of their identity, and the right of the unionist to affect the political, symbolic, and administrative experience of their identity and their ethos of their way of life. He's saying both voices need to be heard. We've got to find a common ground. But most of us don't even want to have. Um, we you just we can't have karma. It's too scary for us. We're too afraid, or we're too hurt, or we're too beat up, or too this, or too that. There is always excuses and reasons for us not to go forward. I'll tell you what I suffer from something called double depression, um, which I thought was made up. <laughs> but then I Googled it. I thought the psychiatrist made it up, but Google told me it was real, so it must be. Um, and it's a hard. It's hard to want to be alive sometimes, um, but finding purpose like this and passion like this within my own faith and and within humanity um, breaks the ice off of that stuff for me sometimes. You know, these these moments with you are the times that 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 I feel life uh, again. You know. Uh, but what I, I guess what I'm trying to say though is like if I can do this work, you know, with really awful dyslexia, I can barely, you know, my writing's awful, um, horrible depression, um, I'm a, s- a survivor of uh, attempted suicide, um, you can do it. We can do this together. We can heal together. You know, we can do in this together. You can't say, like, well, I just won't. If they don't recognize my humanity, then I'm not recognized theirs. Okay. Well, nothing changes. They stay bigot, and they've actually won and made you kind of feel like a bigot. Sound like a bigot. Um. And I and I end with 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 something that has already been said, but obviously worth repeating is break down the real border in Ireland, which is the, which is in the hearts and minds of our people. And that's where we've created the borders. And that's where we've created the, the line and the hearts and minds to the point where we don't even we don't don't even know how to disagree. Well, we actually hate each other and we're afraid of each other and we're scared of each other. And, um, you know, It's weird, you know, like I saw a political sticker yesterday that was like the only thing that's going to, you know, how to save us from socialism. And it was a Trump sticker, you know, and I'm like going like, and I heard Trump say we're going to get rid of socialists and Marxists at least, you know, and I'm going like, well, that's me, you know, but if he wins, I can't say, well, I'm going to just hate my Republican brothers and sisters. No, you know, we've got to find common ground in humanity because one day it might help us all grow and become better because i just i don't know if you guys are are sick and tired of all the fighting but i certainly am well thank you for spending the time with me today also um don't forget to like and follow us here on on youtube that helps my son watches a lot of youtube videos and they always say that so i'm pretty sure it does help because he watches like these guys who give away millions of dollars um (laughs) Well, maybe we can give away millions of dollars if we get more likes. I don't know how that works. Um, but yeah, so let's dream big. We'll, we'll start again next week with uh, Galatians uh, again. And um, thanks for joining me. I, I hope you enjoyed that little sidewind of uh, walking into uh, Northern Irish politics and uh, finding another, Southern, uh, another uh, civil rights leader to speak about. And uh, the challenge of that, I hope you felt it to your bone. And if you want to see this type of thing continue, we do need your support. Revolution desperately needs your support because we are barely making it. We don't even have room to grow. Um, I would like to be able to grow. Revolution used to be in great places, but we took a lot of unpopular stands, you know, and that cost us a lot. I mean, honestly, when we took a stand for LGBTQ folks, we lost so much and we never regained that. And... Um, you know now, I think it's even greater call that Revolution has, and myself has, that is, is to bring people together that would never usually speak and talk to each other, and to wake each other up. But we can, all, I can only do that work with your support because you make it happen. You make it possible for me to sit down and spend hours in the Hume book, and then hours in a book on the history of Galatians, an hour, you know, and, and on these things, and allow me to do hard work. Um, that'll hopefully get me into places where we're having hard conversations as well. And we're doing more things together, but we can't do it without you guys. We really wanna raise about $70,000 this year. I think we've raised like $4,000. Uh, I don't even know if we're gonna make our bills this in the next two weeks. It's been that way for a long time. So ways you can help us is by liking this stuff, subscribing to what you're watching, sharing it with other people, sharing it on Instagram and, and, and tagging us in those shares. I'm sharing it on, on Twitter. I mean, um, honestly, if you go look at our Twitter now is we have one or two likes per, per release at most. I think the last two had zero. So like Twitter is pretty much dead for us. Um, Facebook, we get a little bit more, but share on Facebook, share with each other. You go, I can't help financially, you know, but you can help like sharing this. If you believe in what we're doing, um, share it with people. If you're not sharing it, then I have a feeling that there's something inside of you guys going like, there's just I don't know if I agree with this or if it's cool or not. And I get it if you're, you know, want to be a closet Jesus person, that's cool. I get it. It's 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 not that. You know, there's a lot of assumptions that come along with that. But folks like us have to speak out so we can end those assumptions and uh, say, hey, we're not all. We don't all want to be divisive. A lot of us are are calling for something new and something different. That's an actual reformation. It's not just an exchange of power to one side to the other. So we could really use your support. You can go to revolutionchurch.com and um, we have PayPal and we have Venmo. uh, So that's what everybody likes and uses. So we have those if you want to help. It's also tax deductible. And uh, it it allows me to pay my bills and eat food and take care of my kids as well as do the work that I'm able to do. And uh, I can't thank you enough for that. This is 30 years of what we've been doing. We've been doing this for 30 years. Most people... With this many, with these kind of numbers and this type of stuff, would we'll probably just give up. But this is my work I love and I'm passionate about. And uh, one day I know that it's going to be, uh, it's going to pay off. I believe it. And it might be because of you. Thank you so much. Bye bye.